0: Hi, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jarrett Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. So, as many of you know, this podcast began as part of my thesis project for my MFA at the Maryland Institute College of Art, where I was studying graphic design and critical theory. And many of you have asked if the podcast would continue after I graduated, and I wanted to let everyone know that I finished my MFA last month and that, yes, this podcast will continue. And to sort of celebrate graduation and this sort of uh, transition from being a thesis project to uh, just a podcast, I wanted to interview some of the professors who influenced this project and advised my thesis over the last couple years and really helped shape how I've come to think about a lot of the things that I talk about on this podcast. So for the month of June, for the next four weeks, I'm going to be doing a kind of special educator series where I talk to my own professors about design criticism. And first up today is Christian Bjornard, who is one of the design faculty at MICA and taught a class on interactive design that I took last year. Christian and I bonded very quickly over a shared love of design theory and have spent many, many hours talking about criticism and theory and education and style. And so we finally put a microphone between us to record one of those conversations. So in this episode, I talked to Christian about his background and how he got into design, teaching design theory and how to approach design as a verb in the classroom, as well as his deep interest in sustainable design and what that means both in practice and how we critique it. Christian has been a big supporter of Scratching the Surface and my my larger thesis projects, and I've enjoyed getting to know him and learning from him over the last few years, and our many, many conversations have had a profound influence on the, the way that I think about design and approach this podcast, so I'm so happy that I get to share one of these conversations with you. So here is a fun and interesting conversation with one of my favorite professors at MICA, Christian Bjornard. You're basically the first person I'm talking to where we actually have like a relationship outside of just interviewing um, but I don't actually know anything about kind of your life pre mica yeah and so I wanted to kind of start there with how how did you even get into graphic design and where did those interests come from
1: I ended up becoming a graphic designer just because other things Added together to end up to become that right. So, um, I always did a lot of, of painting and drawing and things like that in high school and then through college. Um, But when I, by the time I got to the end of high school, the way it was, everything was set up was sort of you had to pick to start doing like college prep things or keep doing like art and music things, and I picked to, like, stay being in choir, because I really liked being in choir at the time, (laughs) and so then that, like, took up the classes that I could have had to to take more painting or printmaking or things like that, so I was in all these sort of, like, advanced physics and chemistry and math and then choir, and then so when I went to college, I was like, oh, well, I have, like, advanced, I can, like, get into physics or whatever, and so I started doing math and physics as my degree plan um and then just was like really depressed in yeah. college all the time <laughs> yeah. and then finally it was junior year of college and this math professor that i had like asked me to stay after class one day <laughs> and he was like what the hell is wrong with you and i said what are you talking about He was like if you're in differential equations normally if you're this far in math right like, you look like you want to do math, and you don't really seem like you want to be doing any of this stuff. And I said, I, "How? I don't know what you mean." And he was like, "You do you, like you're obviously not smart, but you like don't do any of the homework. You don't do this stuff. You like miss half of the classes. Right. And why are you even taking math? You know. Yeah. And I, and I said, "Oh well, you know, I also really like taking like painting classes." He was like, "Why don't you just take painting classes then?" And he he was, like, a jazz, he was also, um, like, played jazz saxophone. He, like, played in the college jazz band, even though he was a professor. Yeah. He was like, I mean, I get get it. Like, I was a saxophone major. Like, that was my major in college. And maybe you need to not be a math and physics major. Maybe you need to be, like, a painting major. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh,
0: What were you? Maybe I should do that. How did you get three years into it? What were you thinking?
1: Like, what did you want to do after that? I mean, I like Look, building, you know, like, I always, like, yeah. build stuff with Legos or, yeah. um, like, do technical drawings of stuff. Yeah. And I kind of thought, like, maybe that was a way into architecture oh, oh, or okay. something like that of, like, yeah. I could be an engineer or I could be an architect or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, okay. And so, the, anyway, so that's, like, okay. why I was taking, yeah. like, quantum mechanics and electric electronics no idea. And, and electromagnetism yeah. and differential equations and like linear algebra and all that stuff. Like I took all those classes and then I, and the, but yeah, yeah. So then I, I like was just a horribly depressed college <laughs> student though, because I like hated, I didn't hate it, but it was like not, yeah yeah not actually in interesting beyond just like, Oh cool. Like that's how that works. Right. But it was like, I don't really want to do anything with that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, junior year, that was the fall term, and the, the college I went to had, like, a, tr- a trimester setup, so we okay. had, like, a fall term, a winter term, and a spring term that were each yeah. only, like, 10 weeks long instead. Yeah. So that was fall term, and then spring term, I was just, like, didn't sign up for any of the, like, physics <laughs> classes I needed to sign yeah. up for, and just signed up for all, like, art classes instead. Even though there was only, like, I had to take, like, quantum mechanics and, like, one more math class and like would have had a physics major yeah it was just like i i'm done and just took signed up for like sculpture and painting instead yeah and then my senior year was awesome yeah like, just made paintings and and things like that and then it sort of like i got it got started getting to the end people are like what do you well it was that same normal like bullshit thing that everybody yeah. always says like oh well how are you going to get a job yeah if you have like a painting major it's like, well, I mean, who cares, really? Because, like, people get jobs with no major.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So you weren't worried. You weren't... You didn't care at that point.
1: Yeah, well, I just figured I would work something out. Because something always has worked out in the past. Like, you know, my, like, 23-year-old mind was like, life has not been very complicated so far. So, like, it's not going to be that much more complicated. I started looking for jobs after school. And just... Because of like the kind of art I particularly liked, was uh, you know, was like in the sort of like Andy Warhol, Wittgenstein okay. kind of like pop art yeah uh, genre, and so I, like I had been doing paintings that were kind of like in that mm-hmm. area too as a senior, but I was also really into music, and I had had a bunch of friends that had we like had bands and yeah college, so it was like we would make our own flyers and stuff like that and. It just didn't seem like that much of a stretch to, like, start getting more into those things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I would, like, make record covers for my friends and be like, oh, yeah, like, this is a thing I could keep right. trying to figure out how to do. And somebody, like, asked me, like, one of my English major friends asked me to like, design a book cover for them or something. Oh. Okay. So those all just became things that suddenly like, oh, I bet I could do this for somebody else besides just my friend. Right.
0: When did you realize that that thing you were doing was a a field that was called graphic design and that
1: you could actually make a living doing that? I think it was just sort of, um, I mean, like one of the, the the guy that taught all the photography classes at Kalamazoo, he um, had been like a commercial photographer before. Oh, okay. So like in his classes, he would every once in a while, like, tell you an anecdote about, like, being in the studio and having to do this thing, or, like, you had oh, to take yeah. this photo for this project that went on this yeah. album, or that went into this billboard, or right. whatever. So, like, there was con- connection to, like, that there are jobs that use these things.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, I mean, I, I, like, had some friends that, like, had gotten internships at, like, ad agencies and stuff, even. okay. So, I don't think that I, like, knew... But it was a part of what... That you could, like, take courses in graphic design? Yeah, but it was a
0: part of, like, just the consciousness. You knew that people did this kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, you know, like, I don't know if other kids do these things, too, but I used to always, like, draw, like, Nike posters yeah. when I was yeah, a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. It was, yeah. like... So I feel like...
0: I was that, but I, I was of... with Staples posters. <laughs> I loved, like, the office store Staples, and I would go as, like, a kid, and then I would come home and try to, like, recreate them from memory, the posters, you know, that were in like the windows that were advertising like, I don't know, new uh, staplers or new paper clips or something? Yeah. yeah. My yeah. friends
1: and I would deal with like Nike Airs instead. Yeah. We would like make our own Nike Air
0: posters. Nice. And hang them in our rooms. Yeah. So did you so how what was how long did you work before you then decided that you wanted to go to grad school? Were you were you working as a designer or how did
1: that happen? Yeah, so the first job I had out of college was the old job I had when I was in college, which was being a landscaper. Okay. So I, like... Okay. I... School got out and I, like, hung around Kalamazoo for a little bit and then just, like, went home and um, was living at my parents' house and worked at this, like, landscape company just because I didn't quite know what else to do, but I was, like, wasn't just going to take any mm-hmm. other job I was like if I I should try to find if this is the thing there's this overlap of like system like mathematical engineering-y things and art, art-y things mm-hmm. and like I'm gonna find something that like uses those okay and until I can like I'll get paid more to do this than I'll get paid to do anything right.
0: else but you were set on finding what that connection yeah. was or like what I didn't really know that,
1: that was graphic design still yeah but, interesting but I knew that there was some way that those things could overlap yeah so like, I I like applied to work at like a industrial like screen printing warehouse. Oh wow! Or, like facility. Yeah. Um, the, That's amazing. They were like, we don't know why you're applying here, but um, I mean it was also really funny to like be sending people portfolios and have them be like weird paintings I had made and like not realizing that that like maybe wasn't a thing I should be sending <laughs> right. to these people. Right. Or at least not, not that it wasn't something I shouldn't send, but like that it probably wasn't what they were expecting. Yeah. And you didn't see. know any better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, I started going to like AIGA things and I would just okay. be like looking up stuff yeah. on like books to buy on Amazon. So like I got Bringhurst elements of, ty- of typographic style when okay. just like accidentally because I found it on Amazon. Yeah. Um. Uh, so anyway, so I was, like, looking for stuff like that, um, the, the, the college library, the College Library had all the looking closers, too, and oh, I remember weird. reading okay. those in, co- like, reading them in college, not really realizing oh, that they were, like, about this thing that I was going to end up doing. You know, yeah. Which is sort of funny.
0: Okay, th- so this was a question that I was saving for later, but this actually fits in nicely here. And it's, this is a kind of multi-part question, but it was something I was curious about with you is one, I, I feel like one of the reasons that, that we bonded right away was kind of an interest in uh, kind of design theory and reading about design and kind of just the general discourse around it. And so I was curious, you know, have you always been a big reader and where that kind of theory side came into design? And so it almost sounds like you kind of were having some of that before you even realized that it was happening? Or yeah. that, like, that you were reading about a thing called graphic design? Or?
1: Well, because I think that's just like how I've often learned things. Okay. Was just by deciding to read about them or just accidentally reading about them. Right. Um, and I mean, like since I didn't really have design classes, the things that I know about design often were because I happened across a book about that or happened to like be given a book about that by somebody. Um, and then sort of read about it and found out about, I mean, that's like how I found out about Micah even was that I like accidentally got like designing yourself.
0: Oh yeah. Just because I I,
1: like some, like I picked it up and didn't realize it was, you know, I didn't realize till later that it was like from this school, like that was part of like the actual MFA program, you know? Um, and it was actually like a, like those kinds of things were like a really good way into design More yeah. because it was like i didn't really know very much about it already so that was like a pretty good like low barrier to entry way yeah.
0: in i want to i want to before we i want to finish up the looking closer story yeah. for a second so like you were reading those and those i feel like those books for someone who maybe doesn't know anything about graphic design
1: are not the friendliest no i remember entries like into it some of the essays i just would skip Right, because yeah. they were just like in the library, and I'd right. read them right. to like avoid it's like procrastination from doing some other like okay. research or yeah. homework I was in the library yeah. to do. I'd be like, I need something to look at that isn't about like Japanese history from right. eighteen hundred right. to present day. You know, That's
0: so weird. Yeah. So what can I go okay. pick
1: off that like art and design bookshelf instead? Yeah. Um. Because I I mean because I remember also like reading print magazine because the library got like print magazine. And, again, like, not really realizing that, like, some of that stuff was...
0: Yeah, but it was just always around. You were always kind of encountering this stuff, and you didn't realize. Yeah, so it wasn't, like,
1: intentional... It wasn't intentionally being sought out because I was like, oh, I'm a graphic designer, and these are things that graphic designers are supposed to read and look at. It was like, oh, this looks interesting. And this seems like a place where ideas that I have exist. Okay. Um, And then... I love that. Sometimes it was just like, oh, well, that... Yeah, I I don't understand that, so I'm just skipping it, and then now like looking back, it's like oh man, like some of those things that I like discounted are maybe more of the interesting things. Right now, I don't have any particular one off the top of my head I could think of, but
0: so so how how did Micah like how did picking up that book and realizing that Micah was a thing and that grad school was a thing that you thought you should
1: should do? Um, okay, so I got to with school, I was kind of goofing around oh, yeah uh so just to like right yeah we skipped that sense. part of the story yeah, yeah. That, so sort of goofing around being like okay these are things i'm trying to find a way to do i started going to all these aiga things right yeah right, and really i right. met this guy sean zindran at an GA thing like he and somebody else were like helping run this like series of little workshop lectures to like introduce oh this is when creative suite was new so it was oh. like introducing like some new <laughs> creative suite features right. i think okay and I just remember, like, I, was, like, I, I felt really proud of myself because I had, like, actually bought Adobe Creative Suite 2 or whatever. Yeah. To, like, it, when it first yeah. came out. And so there was, like, a thing about using InDesign instead of Quark yeah. that I was at. Yeah. And he was, like, helping run it. And I remember, like, talking to him with him because I, I had maybe, like, a band shirt on or something that yeah. he was like, oh, cool. Like, you know about that band. And I was like, oh, those bands are so awesome. Um. <laughs>
0: You know, you know, it's like yeah, the way yeah, you get yeah, into a conversation
1: yeah. with somebody. Uh, and, I don't know, for some reason, we like, really connected, and then I just, like, incessantly bothered him. Right, of course. Afterwards. So I'd be like, oh, I'm in the city, because I was living in Northfield, Minnesota, which is about, like, 45 minutes south of, like, Minneapolis and okay. St. Paul. So it's, like, still easy to get up there for stuff, but I would, like, go up there, like, go out of my way to go up there to, to like, an AIGA thing or... Right. If there was, like, some designer talking at the walker or something, I'd right, like, right. try to go to all those things. Um, and so, like, any time I was going to the city, I would be like, oh, Sean, like, uh, you must not be doing anything. Right. Maybe I can, like, yeah. bother you. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I think he got, like, tired of me annoying him all the time. It was like, why don't you, like, come by my studio and maybe you can help me on a project or something. Oh, wow. And so I worked on this book with him, which was this, like, really goofy... I mean, it's not, it wasn't that goofy. It was like probably just a regular book, but it seemed goofy at the time because it was like a color, th- it was the, it was like Pantone book, but it was about like picking, picking, it was a, a Pantone colors for like furniture or for oh, fabric yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. So was, yeah. And, and like clothing. Yeah, and It was about like finding colors that like reflected your season. So it was, like, um, how you figured out, like, what season of colors you were, right. and then, like, how yeah. you picked... Color. And it was, like, two, like, Sean and I, like, working on this book together, and it just seemed really funny. But I did, like, all these really cool illustrations for it. Um, because, I like, that was what I was good at doing, as yeah. opposed to, like, the graphic designing part. Yeah. Um, it was called Mortal Live with Color. That's what it was called. All right. Adding that to the, <laughs> to the Amazon page, in the show notes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... So that's how I sort of, like... That was my first design job. because yeah. It like, being his kind Interesting. of, like, assistant. Uh-huh. Um, and then... And so that was, like, maybe, like, a year... That was in... I got done with school in, like, 2003. So that was probably, like, sometime in 2004. And okay. then, like, um, 2005. I, I Then I kept working with him. Like, that worked out, and he, like, kept giving me more oh, projects. Right. And, and so I kept working with him for a while. And then... Um, sort of like 2006, uh, I sort of like started doing more stuff on my own and then joined up with these guys and we were all working on making biodiesel and, um, okay. designing websites and like publications for companies that like were trying to be more environmentally friendly. Okay. Um, so we were like trying to find printers we could work with who would yeah. do like more eco-friendly printing and be like... Powered, you know, we like paid for like solar offsets for our office and yeah. stuff like that. But the main thing that the guys were doing before I started working with them was like converting people's cars to run on vegetable oil and making biodiesel. Oh, wow. So we did like we did some, some of that too. Yeah.
0: This is making you make a lot more sense to me, actually, in that a lot of I feel like the way that you think about design and The work of yours that I've seen and the way you teach design definitely has a more conceptual side to it and you seem much, you don't seem as interested in, I don't mean this to sound like you're not interested, but less interested in like the kind of commercial aspect of design as in, you know, when I, my undergrad, it was all about, you know, trying to sell things basically. It was making posters, logos, you know, all this stuff for other people so those people can make money. That's oversimplified, but that's basically how it is. And that's something that you don't seem to have it. Not that you don't have an interest in it, but you're much more interested in that kind of conceptual side, these kind of idea side, making weird things... I I mean weird in a good way.
1: Well, I mean, because what I think is most interesting about that is... Well, A, if we just look at who we sort of say is historically important... Yeah, in the last 100 years for a lot of these things they are people that weren't necessarily trying to solve things to sell right. stuff to people right? right? like like they had some other interest and design was just like a way to explore those things not yeah, like an end to itself necessarily like yeah. oh I have to design this because it's the only like I have to get paid to design mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. stuff um, but I think the other part is like I don't you know Even, like, what I did in grad school, I would count nothing that I've done, really, in school as, like, being formal design education, either. Like, type one, you know? Like, I never had to make a poster for something that didn't exist. Or that was, like, an approximation of a real project, right? Like, I never had to do that. Yeah, So, like, I don't... like, I don't have that baggage, maybe? Yeah. And so yeah, then yeah. when I'm in class, like, I don't also have that reference to know, like, that is what should happen in, like, graphic design, too, is, like, this kind of project should be in it. Yeah. I'm yeah. More like, these are the things that I'm interested in making, or these are the things that I enjoy doing. Right. And they relate to real things you have to do in life, but they might be more interesting to you than, like, making a yeah. like fake whatever. Right. Oh
0: Yeah, like, almost using using graphic design almost more as a a medium to kind of communicate your ideas than as the end result. Like, graphic design is the process instead of as, like, the thing that you're getting Yeah, like, I am graphic designing,
1: like, as a (laughs) verb. I'm not trying to make
0: Make graphic graphic design. design. I wanted to talk (laughs) about how you think about teaching. Um, And I had a couple things I wanted to ask you about for that. And one of them was how, how you think about taking your interests and you know your kind of theoretical interest in design into the classroom how do you bring that in to teach people who you know are studying graphic design when they're you know 19 20 years old having never worked and still trying to figure out what this thing even is how do you think about that
1: well i think the most important part to me is to try to not get caught up on the technical things.
0: Okay. Which is really hard.
1: Yeah. Because everybody's like I want to learn this tool or this software mm-hmm. or this technique or I found this cool plugin like how do we use it? Right. And it's easy to get sort of like caught up in in that yourself too of like oh man, I have to I have to know how to use X to do Y. Yeah. But it's really about trying to maintain that like what are the important things that like don't that you need to know no matter what thing you're using them with
0: right like what, no matter what the technology is or what software you're using or what what even you're making just what are the things you need to understand yeah yeah
1: and anyway so I think I'm not there's all there's all kinds of things that I feel like I'm not great at myself in the like relationship to design or relationship to um, like, teaching, one thing I feel like I am pretty good at is, like, having, like, the big picture, and having that, like, idea that there is this arc, and there's things that fit into this arc that regardless of, like, what thing you're designing, like, you need to understand this. Yeah. Um, And so then the trick is, how do you turn that, how do you turn all those things into what, like, projects are really about, as opposed to just a tool? And so, like, maybe you teach part of a tool, but it's, like, in service of this other idea, so that if the tool changes you at least still, like, have that idea yeah. under your belt.
0: So it's, it's uh, I I don't want to, like, oversimplify this, but you, you think of it as, as you know, theory or idea focused and all that other kind of technical, practical things are always in service of those kind of bigger ideas? That,
1: it, that, that is my, like, uh, yeah, that's my, like, platonic ideal okay. for, like, how okay. that should work. Obviously, like that doesn't always work out, and sometimes that like creates more problems than it yeah. solves. Sometimes it—that's uh, not maybe the right way to phrase it. But sometimes it makes like things harder than they need to be. Yeah. Because like you could just, anyway. Like I'm teaching graphic design too now, and it's really meant—it's uh, not really meant for this, but it is sort of seen as like the class that you learn the web things. In. Oh right, yeah. And so sometimes it's. Sometimes your life could be easier if you just said, "Today we're doing this like basic thing, and tomorrow, like next week we're going to add this basic thing to it." And at the end, you'll have built a website. You know, like at the yeah. end of the class. And some of the students would be happier probably because they f- would feel like they had done like real some concrete thing. Yeah. Um. But I don't know if th- that's not really like in their best interest, actually. Right. Or it's not really in the best interest of a design class, um, or maybe of, of design generally, yeah. to like try to bake it down into like if you learn these technical things, you can like check off that you're a designer. Yeah. Um, or that you can check off that you can get a job, and maybe right. like tomorrow you can check off you can get a job with this like really specific concrete thing. Yeah. But it doesn't help you like two weeks from now, or a year from now, or five years from now. Right. When this thing is not the thing that people care about anymore. Right. Which is especially true in, like, these digital yeah, things, right? Yeah,
0: And so, yeah, I mean, and you can learn that. You can watch a, a Linda tutorial, or you can find a YouTube video to teach you that stuff. Yeah. You don't need to come to a school to
1: have another human teach yeah, that, well And then a lot of those things are also, like, things that are flashy. So right. So it, like, looks like something, or, like, it does something. Yeah. But it has no <clears throat> substance. Yeah. And I am much more interested in, like, the substance of things than their surface.
0: Right. Th- this is exactly what I wanted. To, where I wanted that last question to go, actually, because we've talked a lot about, and every time we talk about it is when I always think, like, we need to put a microphone between us to talk about this part, is um, the kind of classroom critique. And, you know, this podcast is, is kind of at a high level about design criticism, and I've, I've had students or younger designers kind of message me and talk about how, you know, their only kind of uh, experience with any kind of criticism or critique is that kind of stereotypical class critique where you pin stuff up on a wall. And so I wanted to ask you about that for a couple reasons. One, what is the, I'm going to just throw all these questions at you and you can kind of pick how you want to answer them, but what is the, what is kind of the purpose and the value of that almost like ritual now in design school um, and then how do you how do you think about it as someone who like you just said you know doesn't care about the typeface that they used and more interested in maybe the substance and kind of what they learned from it um, and and I ask that thinking about my own undergrad critiques that would often be a waste of time no disrespect for those professors but A waste of time because you'd pin stuff up on a wall and then we would talk about uh how to fix the kerning between two letters or that there was an awkward space in the part of a page layout which doesn't seem like You, you can learn something from that and I think that's very valuable but it feels like feel like it misses some bigger things and then the last part of the question is what what do you hope your students take away from a from a kind of full class critique like that where everything's you know up on the wall or that kind yeah. of critique setting. Um, that was a lot of questions
1: at once, but just. Okay. No, class critique. I'll just like we'll try to list them, go through them. Okay. Uh, okay, so a. I it's not that I don't care. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that. Okay. I know, I know. Yeah. I, but like I said that too. Like I don't <laughs> care. I obviously I do care because I think that there are like things that look better and things that look worse. Right. But I don't care to only talk about that. Right. Yeah, And I don't care to talk about I that first. Yeah. I don't care to talk about that first because you might have, like, chosen that thing because of some, like, important underlying part of your project. Right. And I would right. like to suss that out first before I just tell you that, like, I don't like the typeface right. that you chose. Right. Because I am willing to acknowledge that that is, like, more or less subjective and not really an objective yeah. thing to start a critique.
0: I, yeah, I feel like when I kind of started getting into thinking about design criticism and what is design criticism, I almost had this um, disdain for critiques of form um, and things like colors and typefaces. And I was like, this stuff doesn't matter. You know, we shouldn't do this. And went kind of like swung almost too far into the other side. And I'm now realizing that all of those things – are actually very deeply connected to that other side and carry meaning, or could be like the visual representation of all of those other things. Yeah. And so if you're just saying I don't like that typeface or that drop shadow doesn't look good, but it's connected to this, you know, thing on on the theoretical side or from some bit larger idea, that's when that critique actually gets interesting.
1: Yeah. I I actually this is like a philosophical quandary that I have with myself sometimes because like I don't really believe in relativism. Yeah. It, but I do believe in relativism in, like, a critique, because which is, yeah. like, you know, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But because I, I I have things that I think are better and worse, and, yeah. like, I, there's definitely work that I see in classrooms I'm like, oh, my God, like, why, th- how did you choose this? <laughs> yeah. And But I want to, like, give them the opportunity to explain to me why they chose it first before I go, Do you make that expression out loud to yeah. all of them, yeah. you know? Uh <laughs> and sometimes that like sometimes there just isn't an answer and it's just like oh, how yeah. how does your taste work this way <laughs> But then right. you I, you also have to think then well you know what most of these things are tastes that come from like a very limited number of people originating in them mm-hmm. and right. they're based on right. like a very specific set of, of constraints yes and that there probably is a lot of relativism for this. And um, what meth like what set of criteria am I really using to like objectively judge this in the first yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: well, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to, to cut you off, but I mean, that's what I'm thinking about in my own undergrad critiques is it was very much based on kind of Swiss modernist international style and you have this grid and you use two typefaces and and you know you have this kind of harmonious layout and i think that design is good like i i still like things that look like that but to say good bad yes no
1: yeah and it's like like it
0: cuts that conversation short
1: well because it it makes it really easy to um have a conversation about those things because there's like you can just sort of say this doesn't follow the rules yeah. that I was also given yeah. to follow, you know, and you know, there's like that. That's like a normal thing, right? Is like you, once you learn the rules, then you can break them. Yeah, and it's like yeah, but it's like you're only teaching them rules that like somebody else invented at a different time in a different yeah. place for a different set of reasons that we don't actually like. The reasoning for why those rules exists has do- has very little to do with like what the like milieu of life right, is right. now so like why just like wrote pass those down yeah you know? yeah um and why like that yeah. being the only thing that you use as the criteria for yeah. evaluating people's yeah. work
0: yeah um, lorraine wilde in it's in a looking Closer, so you may have read it when you were in in <laughs> college has has an essay that uh uh michael beirut Turned me on to when I interviewed him, called castles made of sand, mm, yeah, um, yeah. and it's about modernism versus postmodernism. Which has this great paragraph in it that I love, that I just want, like want to print out, and hang up on my desk. And she's like, "What would you do if you were a student in college and you were taught these kind of very strict? I'm her language was much better than the way I'm describing it. These very strict rules about what is design, you know, this kind of modernist idea of design, and then you went out in the world and saw all this other kind of cultural vernacular and this visual language that you were told was wrong like what are you supposed to do with that when when you're taught this very narrow thing but then you you leave the classroom and you see all of this other stuff and that maybe those things that you're told are rules are just this kind of bizarre fraternity ritual that if you don't follow you're out of the club
1: yeah that's exactly how i feel yeah actually about that stuff too Anyway, so okay. how do you then make room for that in right. class? And I think then the goal is to to try to get people to think more about the sort of content and the context mm-hmm. of their things versus just like um, here, here's like r- raster graphics right. from Brockman <clears> and <they> make, <throat> make stuff that follows these instructions. Right. Now, that being said, that was also partially how I learned to be a graphic designer was like reading that book, you know? Yeah. And be like, Oh my God, like this is like engineering and art, like smashed together. Like this is so fantastic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, but, but I also was like, but this doesn't have room in it for like this, like goofy other thing that I want to do. So like, how do like those things fit together? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Long story short, which I think this is not the question you asked anymore, but, uh, to actually try to like answer that is in class then my hope is that we can talk about the things like behind what What it looks like and help people figure out like if you have these interests that like design can help you visualize those interests. Right. And like, like the right design isn't to just follow the rules of modernism. The right design is like, what is your content? Like, what is your, like, what is what is the culture that you're speaking to? Who, like, what's the context? What's the content? Yeah. And how does, how do you visualize that? And does, like, can graphic design give you a way to visualize it that it, like, hasn't been visualized before? Right. You know? Right. Um
0: well, I have a couple more questions just to kind of start to kind of cohere some of this stuff and, and um, wrap it up a little bit. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about was sustainability and this idea of sustainable design, because... That's something I know that you're very interested in and very passionate about. Um, so, what what does that mean? Um, and then, kind of approaching that from the idea of a theorist or a critic. Yeah. How do you think about what what makes design sustainable?
1: Yeah. There's a great Carrie Jacobs essay in the first Looking Closer called oh. like on graphic design style. Disposability oh yeah, and yeah. Race. I remember that. And she has this like she repeats it over and over again and to make her point, but she basically just says that everything you do, if you're a, des- a graphic designer, basically all that you're making is just trash. That's right. like slightly right. delayed oh, yeah, before the trash. This. Yeah. You know? And if you've made it like really cool, it still is trash, but like maybe it, it sits on a shelf for a while before it becomes trash. Right, you know? right. So anyway, so there, so yeah, so this idea that everything you make is garbage. And that means like, real physical garbage but she has another interesting point where she says the creative process in general is a waste a wasteful process like you generate a lot of creative like conceptual waste in like narrowing down mm-hmm. to get to your uh, like final sort of version of something. Right. Um, so that that's maybe like an important thing to remember as a desi- not just a graphic designer but the designer generally is Yeah. like there's a there's a lot of energy that gets expended in the attempt to like achieve greatness in a designed thing. Right. And that is like material energy, but it's also like personal and mental energy. And so there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's many kinds of mm-hmm. resources going into that that aren't just like money and like time, money and materials. That, that doesn't answer your question. The, the question was like, what is, what does sustainability mean if you're a graphic designer? Um, and I don't have like a super good answer to this Okay. because it is like a long, complicated philosophical answer. Okay. Um, but I think that that's the point is like sustainability isn't really like an easy thing to yeah. talk about or to solve or yeah. to even define because I mean, if you like define the words, if you look up sustainability yeah. Yeah. in a dictionary, it's just like that a thing is sustained. Yeah. So then the important part is then like, what are the things that you actually think are important that you want to sustain? And that would be, like, what sustainable graphic design is. is graphic design that is in the service of your, like, beliefs that you want to sustain. So I would say that if I was talking about sustainability, that I care that we, like, stop sort of um, abusing our rights as humans and, like, take care of each other and our planet and uh, perhaps choose to value something other than just, like, how many dollars in the bank somebody has as, like, the indicator of somebody's success. Right. That there's plenty of other things we could value instead of that that would uh, be better for, like, all of our lives, generally. Yeah. Um, So I would, like, hope that I can make graphic design that is, like, in the service of those things. That's so interesting. So I think, like, being a sustainable designer, then, is also, like, acknowledging that much of the things you may be asked to make are things that aren't really valuable Right. for humanity so you should actively participate in not making those things right or not participating in the parts of culture that yeah. have to do with those things yeah um, and that becomes like a really complicated set of life choices that you start having to make um, but that to me is the most important part of, of sustainability so a sustainable designer isn't somebody that has a particular process or particular particular methodology or specs, a particular Uh set of materials, it is a person who has, like, decided to believe in a certain set of things and all their actions, both as a designer and as a human, like, aid in making those, like, aid in forwarding those goals. I think that definition of
0: sustainable design is interesting because it kind of flips the way I probably thought about before and the way a lot of people think about it before and in, in, in that it's kind of about, you know, recycling and, you know, reused paper and a lot of brown and green. And th- you think about it in like the materials and kind of the aesthetics of what does sustainability look like. And the way you just said it is that it's more about ideas, I mean, for lack of a better word. What are the things that need to be sustained? So, how, so I have kind of two, two questions here. One is, how do we think about that kind of in practice, uh, you know, whether we're making something for someone else or we're kind of working on a team, how do we think about sustainability as part of kind of a larger design system? Um, and then, sorry that I'm asking two-part questions, but do you think we'll ever get to a point where almost sustainable design is almost redundant in that, you know, we can just think of all design as everything that we make is just a type of is sustainable.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So the main, so I, I think your point about sustainable design is interesting because if you just look up like sustainable graphic design or if you go to the library and like, I want a sustainable design book.
0: Yeah. The ones that you
1: find, if you just type in like green graphic design or sustainable design... Yeah basically focus solely on materials. It's like how do you use yeah. less paper? How yeah. do you use less ink? How do you pick safer things? How do you do this? And
0: I always think of that book Cradle to Cradle yeah. and it's like all printed on that like kind of plasticky paper. Um,
1: yeah, so that the first yeah. book they're they're probably like the best at explaining that kind of thing where it's like every process has yeah. to get broken down to is it a technical thing or a natural thing? And how do we like keep those from contaminating each other Mm -hmm. and like allow all technical things to become like more technical materials and all natural things to like go back to being natural things. Um, And then on top of that, how can we sort of, instead of just making that inert, try to make that like environmentally advantageous. And so that like maybe my factory actually is like the air and water that come out of my factory are cleaner than the air and water that go into them. I mean, they're really, really good. At doing those things and like as consultants they're probably like the best uh, examples of eco stewardship and sustainability from the point of like they are all about sustaining how life works now with just like different sets of materials and like different sets of work mm. however they believe that everything can still be treated like the kind of capitalist system that we have. It just has different. Uh, you yeah. just. You adopt this like waste equals food idea, and there, there's no. Like. We're still just like buying and selling things, and still just trying to make more things for people, and still just like saying that like commerce is going to save right. humanity. Right. But we just will like make really, really healthy, nice things for everybody. And that is like a nice dream and i kind of like buy into that a certain it's true to a certain extent i like want nice healthy things for everybody but i don't completely believe that like cap like the way we do things yeah is yeah that sustainable though yeah and so like just because those things are like buildings that like a building that is a tree and so it gets all of its energy from the sun and the soil like that's pretty cool but we could do that and not have to, like, also have, like, all the shitty parts of capitalism and think that we always need to, like, make new things and sell things to people and, like... Yeah. Anyway. So, I think that's great. Like, yeah, we should probably not use materials that are, like, obviously bad for each other. Yeah. But what most of those things miss is... Is the is the choice picking better materials or is, like... One of the more important choices, like, should we be doing this at all?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: like, that is like what I would think would be one of the most important questions we should like get better at asking is like, when you get asked to do a project, the first question should be like, do you really need to do this? Yeah. Like question mark like yeah. I raised. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. right. Really? Like, there's not a better way to solve this, or like, is this a problem that needs solving at all? Yeah. Um. So, As a graphic designer, that's hard sometimes because you sort of, like, the way that that's understood is that you are kind of, um, you might be a partner, but you're really just like a service provider who is like helping promote or explain or whatever, like, the things that your clients bring to you. Uh, I think there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, Current thinking that like the designer really sort of yeah uh, is there to like be confrontational right with right with, the, with like the prospective client of like well you're this thing doesn't need to be made so I'm not going to make it and like you could say that but then somebody so I think the, right. the argument to that would be well they're just going to like ask somebody else to yeah. make it yeah instead. and then you're so out like that I might as well do it and like try to make it the best version of that thing yeah and I. I think we should just get more okay with just, like, not doing it. Um, and that's probably, like, most projects, including most of the projects I do. Are Probably projects that, like, if I really thought hard about, like, the things I want to sustain.
0: Yeah.
1: Not that I don't think hard about them, but, like, if I, like, really fully said, like, I don't care, like, about how culture or society wants me to act. I'm only going to act in this way that I think is most sustainable. Most of the things that yeah. I do, yeah, 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 yeah. I would have to not do. Yeah. So... I'm trying to get better about that. And like being, that's being a teacher makes that a little bit easier because you like have less pressure. Right. I have like much less pressure on my projects. Right. Uh, than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's also like not a very good example to lead of just like the only way to do this is if you can like also have some other job. Yeah. That's not sustainable either.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this is just, like, the biggest problem with adjectives, period, right? Is yeah. It's, like, like, the best way, having to describe something as being sustainable design, meaning that it is somehow different than other kinds of design, yeah, puts it at, like, a disadvantage. Right. Because it, like, implies that it is somehow not quite, it's either, like, avant-garde slightly, or... Um, isn't quite regular yeah outside so, of the norm so like yeah. maybe i should be like slightly afraid of it as a as a client or maybe i uh, am going to expect that i'm going to have to like pay extra for it right or something sustainable design the goal would be that everybody has intuited these yeah. feelings and so all design should really be that way and if you look at the sort of history of of designers working and writing about these things like um yeah. You know, like, Victor Papanek's design in the real yeah. world. Yeah. He sort of implies that if you're doing design that isn't these things, you are you are kind of, like, a design criminal. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right. And, y- and you should feel badly about your actions. Um, and that it's not... I guess it's not, like, that there is, like, all design is okay and some of it's just, like, sustainable. It's, like, maybe there's morally good design and morally bad design. And, like... Some of these design things you're making, if they're not sustainable, they are, like, morally bad. And you shouldn't be doing them, period. I mean, I sort of believe that to a certain extent. And, like, yeah, yeah. stuff like The First Thing First Manifesto, so, like, those things implies that yeah. to a certain extent. Um, doesn't necessarily, like, stop anybody from doing those things, though.
0: Right. I'm, so, I'm, I'm my next question for you that is exactly what I feel like you're starting to get into is I'm, I'm thinking about this kind of through the lens of the design critic or through, you know, the people who are writing about design today is how do you, how do you talk about sustainable design or what does sustainable design criticism look like? Like, do you have to get into, this is morally good. This is morally
1: bad. Well, I mean, but like, Criticism, to a certain extent, kind of does that anyway, right? Like, I mean, yeah, we, we yeah. often will be judging something on like uh, some set of criteria, but like, right, like a building, right, that that like creates um, like accidental segregation because of like the way that oh, the right, building was right. designed or the way that like a sculpture in right. a courtyard was designed. Right. Is like talked about in that way that, like, it's doing something bad for the people, yeah, yeah, okay. I see what this you mean, space, yeah. Right? So, I think that's like what I think that was like the charge that perhaps like Papanic was yeah, trying to give yeah. people is like, if you are making this thing, I see what you're that, saying, that is causing harm to your fellow human, right? You are like making a bad action as right. a designer, and you it's reprehensible to a certain extent. Um, there's an I can't remember the author, but the title of the book is called like the true beauty of sustainable design products or something like that. And okay. the point in that is like, if there is hidden ugliness, like that there are like materials that went into making this are polluting, or mm-hmm. the like it requires um, it requires child labor to make the thing. That no matter, like, how superficially beautiful the thing is, it, like, is still an ugly product. Right. Um, and so, like, the only things that can actually be beautiful are things that, like, account for all of those those yeah. things. And are, like, socially responsible and aesthetically pleasing and, right. and like, environmentally right. Right. have some stewardship and, like, still are economically viable. Like, it needs all those things yeah. to be a beautiful product. Like, not just that it is formally beautiful. So it also requires, again, like I said before, that you value a different something. That your value structure has to be different than just like, do I get paid a lot of money for this or not, or like, do I save money on right. taxes or not, right. or do I save money on regulation or not? Like, if if everything is just an argument about money, yeah, there's like almost yeah. no argument you're going yeah. to win because like the economics, you could yeah. also always say short term that I save money, yeah, and it doesn't matter that like long term. Yeah. Like an entire country has unusable forests and water and right pasture, you know. Like
0: and yeah, I mean, I guess, and that then brings it full circle to your original definition of what is sustainable design. It's the, you know, designing around the things that you want sustained, and it's thinking about. You know the consequences that of the things you're making now, the things that all of us are making now. What are the consequences of that thing, fifty years from now? Or 100 years yeah. from now. Or 10 years from now.
1: Yeah. Or, like, next week. Like, yeah. Mo- nobody even asks, like, that question, right. right? Like, nobody's even really asking, like, tomorrow, what is the consequence of having made this action? Yeah. Which... And so, like, that's the main point of, like, the Carrie Jacobs, like, everything you do is garbage statement, is, like, you haven't really considered that tomorrow this thing is getting thrown away. Right. But you're still making, like, 20,000 copies of them. Yeah. Or, like, hundred 100 million copies of them. Right. You know? And, like... No one's saving it, period. Like, no one is saving it, period. It's, like, just to announce this one thing. Or just... It's, like, just the news for that day. And that's all just stuff that, like, is immediately trash. Yeah, yeah. And while I would say that, like, yes, it's probably worth printing a newspaper. Because, you know, like, we should know things. (laughs) It's worth printing books, because we should know things, and I think Kara Jacobs also makes um, a a um a side note that like besides books and records, everything <laughs> is gonna yeah. be garbage. Yeah. Whereas like she's like acknowledges that some things do get saved. Um, but like for the most part, like all things, all designers make right are trash, and instead of like embracing that and trying to do something about it, we seem to have like. I don't know what the opposite of internalizing. Like, you just ignored it wholesale. And we even make things that didn't used to be trash into, like, as trash objects now, right? Like, like the whole fact that, like, Walmart exists means that we decided that things that used to be permanent are okay to just be impermanent. And it's, like, easier to Uh, buy a toaster every other week than it is to buy, like, one expensive toaster that lasts forever. Right.
0: My last question is... I, I was just curious. I wanted to like just wrap all of this up with kind of, again, I'm sorry, this is another kind of two-part, but it's two parts of the same question. I'm interested in kind of who are the, the, the writers or the books that you find yourself returning to again and again that have really kind of shaped how you think about not just kind of sustainable design, but just your kind of design practice in general. Yeah. And then the same part, who are the people that you're reading now that you're kind of excited about that are new to you?
1: Yeah. Well, definitely How Buildings Learn. Yeah. I still, like, always refer to that. And I'll make, I'll, I, not make students, but I'll always, if the student is of the right mindset, I'll be like, you should check this book out.
0: For, yeah. For sure.
1: Um, but I also, like, something I got turned on to from Stuart Brand's How Buildings Learn, are, like, all these Christopher Alexander oh, yeah. architecture books. Oh, so, yeah. Like, I see a lot of that in what you're talking about. Notes now. on the synthesis of form. Yeah. Which is like the super abstract side of his set of books. That one, to me, is like
0: I need to reread that. I read that a long time ago.
1: For thinking about like how can my design solution be a synthesis of like all of the constraints that I can think of related to it, and not just be like a thing that I'm just inventing without yeah really considering it. But that that also implies that you can't be basing your choice, that, like, the, the right formalism yeah. will also arise out of, like, having properly considered all of right. the right. constraints exactly. so that it, it doesn't imply a style, necessarily. Yeah. And you, I guess you could then tell me that the fact that I have, like, a, a vernacular system of my own for just, like, choosing typefaces yeah. and colors would imply that I'm not doing that. Um, but I, would, I leave the whole open saying, like, unless there is a better yeah, yeah, yeah. choice. Yeah. So, like, if there doesn't seem like it matters, then that's the choice. But if, like, something else is presented... That's then, so like, interesting. I would pick a different choice. Yeah, okay. so Notes on the Synthesis of Form, I think it's great. That's a good... I need to... I read to that
0: probably, like, I don't know, eight years ago or so, and I haven't read it since.
1: I'm trying to think of just, like, the books that I always tell students to read. Yeah. And a newer one, which I have really found helpful... To, my, to me, is speculative everything. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, Design for the Real World Yeah. by, by Victor Vipanek, I think that's a good one. Um, I really like the, the Magnus Nielsen's Fabrican book, like his first Oh, cookbook, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I remember getting it and looking through it and being like, this isn't a cookbook. This is, like, a creative process book. Like, he's oh. just describing how a creative person decides how their process works yeah and he's explaining like how he does things not not to like let you do them yourself but just to like present yeah. to you how you might go about doing similar things um like and i love that like the first page of a cookbook would be you will not be able to make any of these recipes the way that i can make them because i've like made my own tools and i've made right. they have like our own special thing and like the ingredients are unique to our area so like don't yeah. expect to be able to replicate this. It's just, like, so honest. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always return to, like, stuff like Bringhurst or yeah. Joseph Miller-Brockman, too, just because it's, like, those were kind of, like, how I learned how to graphic design. Yeah. Um, but I find that I, inc- like, much less frequently recommend them to students than I used to. Right. Or to, like, other people. Yeah. Like, I still reference them, but I don't usually tell other people to. Yeah. Whereas I, like, increasingly tell people to read speculative everything. Yeah, interesting. Or, like, I increasingly say, like, this is going to be a crazy book. Like, you might not like it, but you should read Notes on the Synthesis. Before. Yeah. You know? I can okay. come up with more, but... Right. No, I, don't I think to, that was I don't good. I need to come up with more.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that was perfect. I thought this was... This was so fun. I'm glad that... I mean, we... I When I started this we have said that we have to finally record one of these because we have conversations like this all the time. Um, and so I'm glad that we finally got to do it. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for finally uh, making time for this.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: Cool. Thanks. This episode was recorded on April 11th, 2017 in Baltimore, Maryland. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.